0: So listen, for a society that is so hypersexual, I mean, so hypersexual, we still aren't fully centering conversations on our self-advocacy, on prioritizing pleasure, especially for women, or on sexual health as being part of our overall health. Lucky for us, this podcast and specifically this episode is working to bridge that gap. But what do I know? Okay. Um, final one for those of us with vaginas. Um, specifically, douching is necessary to keep the vagina clean. Let's Mm-mm. just end this once and for all. No, it Mm-mm. ain't. No, it ain't. <laughs> <laughs> I just and it's funny because
1: whenever I get this question now, I always have like this flashback of me in like high school buying what's it called, Vagisil. Yeah. Or,
0: <laughs> This is But What Do I Know podcast, which hits Suzanne, a space for affirming, for learning, and for healing. A podcast and community where we're exploring our But What Do I Know moments in hopes that it helps you, the listener, overcome yours. You ready? Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the But What Do I Know podcast. This is your host, Chid Suzanne, and I just want to welcome you all to yet another episode. And we are back from our mid-season break. This is season three, episode 10. We are back. <laughs> all right. So before we go any further, as usual, if this is your first time tuning in and listening to this podcast, thank you for stopping by. I hope you enjoy this episode. It's definitely a dope one, so I hope you enjoy it. As always, be sure to like and subscribe on whatever platform it is that you use to listen to this podcast, especially if that is Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you're already part of our community, you're already in the know, you've been listening, engaging, letting us know that you're enjoying the content, then thank you. Keep doing what you're doing. And it is appreciated as usual. (laughs) All right. So with that being said, it is September. So those that are going back to school, back to work, you know, I'm wishing you all, uh, you know, a very fruitful last little stretch of the year. Definitely, you know, try to create and cultivate ease and balance. I know the last couple of months of the year tends to be very busy as we're trying to, you know, meet our goals. People are trying to accomplish a lot in like three, four months, but definitely make out some time to create some ease, create some balance and some flow this fall. And yeah, we're almost there. So You know, just keep at it and keep going. All right, let's go ahead and get into our clue in segment for this episode. All right, so for our cool segment for this episode, we're going to focus on a few, you know, upcoming events and recommendations that I have, you know, for you to check out that are going on in the city of Toronto. I did say we're creating and cultivating ease this fall. So that's just what we're going to do with our cool segment this episode. We're going to ease ourselves back into this. <laughs> all right, so I know if you're here in the city of Toronto, you're probably all festivaled out especially when it comes to music festivals. Let's be specific. A lot has been going on. A lot of festivals went wrong. I know we're tired. You've spent a lot of money. But if you're looking and you're wondering, you know, what's going on in the city in the next couple of weeks as, you know, the summer turns into fall? Well, if you'd like, you could check out TIFF. So Toronto's International Film Festival taking place, you know, it started September 8th and will be going on for a few more days till about September 18th. I happened to see um, a panel session For the movie, I believe it's The Woman King that stars John Boyega, Viola Davis, and they had a lot of really good gems that were dropped in that panel session, and I wish I was there. I I missed the opportunity to sort of get my tickets, but I will be, you know, venturing downtown the next few days and seeing if I can sort of you know, scope out some sessions and just see what the overall vibe looks like. But um, yeah, that is TIFF taking place downtown Toronto. We also have Toronto's Comedy Festival happening September 22nd to October 1st of 2022. I have friends that are actually going to this one. They're excited because, you know, you got people like Trevor Noah coming, Issa Rae is going to be here. Um, Her name had me wondering if I should check this out. Amanda Seals as well is going to be there. So this is looking like it's going to be a really, uh, really cool festival. So that's it's toronto's comedy festival if you're interested you know check that out and as well this is something that i'm also excited about it's the elevate festival um and for those who don't know this is a festival that's sort of at the intersection of arts and technology it's also really cool as well Venus williams will be here a couple of other um sort of artists innovators tech uh, activists It's going to be a mesh of different sort of people from different industries and walks of life. And it's sort of we're talking about arts, tech, diversity, all that kind of stuff. And the podcast actually had an opportunity to be involved in this festival in a really cool way. So if you're following us on Instagram, stay tuned, stay locked in because you'll be seeing more details about how we are getting involved with the Elevate Festival. But yeah, so those are sort of upcoming festivals and happenings here in the city of Toronto that you can get into this fall. And the final thing that I would like you all to clue into this fall is a book that is being released September 27th, 2022. Add this to your fall reading list. The book is called Where We End and Begin, and it is by Nigerian-Canadian author Jane Garo. I have read her previous books, Ties That Tether, as well as The Sweetest Remedy, and she does a really good job at, you know, writing very... Interesting romance novels for young people, for young women. I love the way she also weaves her Nigerian heritage into it. You know, she does a really good job at just addressing certain societal issues, but meshing it in with love and challenges and still giving us a nice happy ending that we deserve. (laughs) So, Definitely be on the lookout. I'm on the lookout as well. And of course, this podcast is part of the Audible Creator program. So if you would like to check this book out as part of your free trial for Audible for 30 days, you can do so by using the link www.audible.com backslash podcast. And you can check this novel or other audio titles for 30 days free of charge. And um, yeah, like I said, I'm definitely anticipating this book. She's been promoting it and um, I can't wait. So y'all make sure you clue into that book this fall. Let's go ahead and get into our main segment. September is the beginning of a lot of things but it is also sexual health month and so this September I wanted us to sort of dive deep into our sexual health self-advocacy and all that comes with it so for our main segment this is our part one of two conversations that we're going to have related to sexual health so let's go ahead and get right into it All right, so it is September, and um, September is the beginning of a lot of things. You know, people are getting back to school, work, final quarter of the year, but it is also Sexual Health Month, and um, I'm really excited because this is a topic that I have wanted to sort of dive into on the podcast and this platform, and we haven't really done so. This has been our first time, and you know, I've just been waiting and trying to find the right person or people to have this conversation with, so... This is part one of our sexual health discussion this month of September. So joining me, you know, I have Lydia Collins um, and she is an author as well as a sexual health educator. So welcome to the podcast, Lydia. I'm so excited to have you. We're going to get right into it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for, you know, being on Accepting. And, um, you know, I've been sort of in your work watching your TikToks. I love the way that you sort of like disseminate and break down sexual health information. Um, it's so digestible. It's so easy. I understand it. It's fun. I can laugh. So, you know, we're going to start off with just a little bit about your journey. How did you find yourself mm-hmm. in this space of being a sexual health educator?
1: Yeah. Well, thank you again for having me. Um, and thank you for <laughs> for following my content. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, Honestly, I kind of ended up here based on my own experiences. Um, like I walked really aimlessly through my sex life during my teenage years. I was young. I was insecure. I was black in a predominantly white city. I faced a lot of sexual racism. Um, and I think really just having that be the sexual, my sexual foundation and, and seeing how much it impacted me so much so that, you know, I'm still working with my therapist years later at this big age on reclaiming my pleasure, on setting boundaries, on asking for what I want and need, on loving myself enough to stay firm in my boundaries, you know? So going into this career was, honestly, I always tell people it's kind of my way of answering all the questions that my younger self had, but never had access to. Um, And also, I just really like to talk about sex and sexuality and community health and self-care and and sexual health kind of encompasses all that and so much more. And um, yeah, so, so it's been... It's always been something that's been interesting to me, that's been fun. Um, You know, I started off doing a lot of work around consent education during my undergrad. I was part of a um, grassroots organization called Decolonize and Deconstruct. And we provided kind of decolonial consent education to um, students on campus in lecture halls and things like that. Um, and, And really just wanted to kind of bring a perspective to sexual health that showed that as people of color, our experiences with, with, um, sexual health look different based on race. And that race is a key component to sexual health and and to our sexual experiences. Right. And so, um, yeah, that's always been my approach to my work just in general in sexual health.
0: Mm, I love it. And I love, you know, when you said, you know, a lot of a lot of it was your experience. I think that's a lot of it, especially as women of color, black women, mm-hmm. a lot of finding ourselves in this space, even of having this conversation to demystify sex right. and sexual education comes from our experience, comes from the shame that's attached to sex, comes from not really having these discussions in your household or your close communities. And then, you know, searching for information elsewhere, you know, so mm-hmm. I honestly, you're doing a great work. It's needed. <laughs> Keep it going. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah. And so before we sort of get into the main part of our conversation, I want to sort of touch on, you know, this platform is called But What Do I Know for a Reason. And um, we, you know, explore moments, but what do I know? Moments have dubbed them, where, you know, myself or our guests may have experienced some doubts on, you know, any facet or aspect of life. And so I'm wondering if you experienced any moments of doubt when it comes to, you know, whether it be sex, sexual health, sexual education where you were like, damn, what do I know about this? And um, <laughs> and how did you you know, overcome that? Because I can tell you, I've had many of those. <laughs> Girl, every day,
1: every day. I have that moment every single day, multiple times, especially as a workshop facilitator and as an educator. Um, and even doing social media content too with sexual health, right? Like there's people who might come in the comments and be like, hey, here's another way to think of it as well. Or here's my experience, or here's a part that you didn't consider. Um, and then i will be like, oh, dang, <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Like, what do I know? Why are they listening to me? Um Or, you know, in workshops where people might fact check and be like, hey, actually, just so you know, this is what it is. And I think especially in my sector of, of sexual health and doing a lot of work in community health as well, things and language is always changing, like especially around gender, around sexuality. Um like things are always changing as they should, right? And so there's new terms that are always coming out. There's even new resources that are always coming out. Like when I tell, you know, sometimes older generations that I work with, you know, when I tell them about dental dams or internal condoms, sometimes they're like, what? Like we did not have this 20 years ago when I was growing up, or at least we didn't know about it, right? Um, I'll hear that a lot. So I constantly have those kinds of, but what do I know moments? Um, But I always try to really reiterate to people, even when I'm doing any any kind of educational work, that I'm not an expert in anything but my own experience. And nobody's an expert in anything but their own experience. So regardless of how many degrees someone has or how many, you know, what, what they do or how much they've read about experience, you know your experience better than anyone else. And that's all that you can really claim to be an expert in. Mm.
0: And that's okay. <laughs> Lydia, won't you just preach? Honestly. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Honestly, I love that you said that because I think especially you mentioned your sector Um, and that's something that, you know, we're going to touch on as we get further into this conversation. But mm-hmm. language when it comes to gender, when it comes to sexuality, when it comes to how fluid sexuality is and mm-hmm. the types of conversations that we're able to have now that we were not able to have just years ago. You know, I think there has to be space for people to say, for people to fact check you, for people to be OK being fact checked. And then you know, mm-hmm. for calling in, calling out, I know people like yeah. you know, and now and all that kind of stuff might be messy. And I know some people are scared to ask questions, to even have conversations like this. Cause like, man, like, how do we but I'm really glad that that you mentioned that because that's something that a lot of us are having dealt with. Like, am I saying the right thing? Am I right. misgendering? Am I you know, so it definitely happens. It happens. And like you said, oh, absolutely we're only an expert on our own experience. Girl, I'm about to get that tatted. <laughs> <laughs> Magic tattoos. <laughs> 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 oh my goodness. Um, all right. So let's get into the fun stuff. I want us to start by breaking down some sexual health myths. And, um, some people might be listening to this like, should I know? I know all this. These are all myths to me. Well, trust me. There's someone out there that may be confused about this. So mm-hmm. the first one, STIs and STDs can't be caught from oral sex myth or not.
1: Yes. So that is a very common myth, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people think that they've like hacked the code and they're <laughs> like, I won't have unprotected penetrative sex, but I will have unprotected oral sex and everything will be fine. Um, and I will say oral sex is considered, you know, very low risk or theoretical risk when it comes to, um, you know, bloodborne infections like HIV, like realistically, unless you have maybe cuts in your mouth or something like that. Um, you know, it's considered more low risk for, for HIV to be transmitted that way. However, oral sex is um, considered high risk for, you know, bacterial infections. So something like chlamydia or gonorrhea, right? So it's really important to, you know, use flavored condoms or dental dams during oral sex. And honestly, to make sure that you and your partners are getting tested regularly. Because I know a lot of people are like, I don't want to use a condom during oral sex. <laughs> Um, and I'm not here to judge anybody on what they choose to do. For me, it's more about just giving people the, the, the tools to make informed decisions. So get, getting regularly tested or, mm-hmm. or using, um, these protective barrier methods is really important because you can catch an STI from oral sex.
0: Hmm. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Number two, all STIs and STDs have recognizable symptoms
1: actually a myth. And it's actually quite the opposite. Mm -hmm. So a lot of STIs do come with no symptoms at all, which is why getting tested is actually the only way to really know your status. So there's people who, you know, HIV can live in the body for, I think, up to, or you can, you can go undiagnosed for up to 10 years, right. Which is a, which is more rare, but, you know, it's not something that people are always going to easily notice. And a lot of times with a lot of things, sometimes symptoms are so similar to other symptoms. So you might think you just have cold or flu like symptoms, right? Mm. Um, that's why it's so important to get tested because you might not realize, oh, I've been having this. And maybe it's just a UTI, or maybe I'm having cold or flu symptoms. Maybe it's just a cold or a flu, right? You wouldn't think of anything more severe than that. Um, and we're often so quick to think about physical health and mental health and go to the doctor and say, hey, this hurts. I don't know why, but let me go. I need, I need an x-ray or I need you to check this out, but we won't ever think, oh, I'm not feeling great. When's the last time I've been tested? You know, who's the last sexual partner I've had? Um, Do I know when they've been tested? Mm. So, you know, really making sure that um, getting tested regularly, if you're sexually active um, is super key because that's Mm. really the only way to know your status.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, (laughs) This third one. I know a lot of people have tried to figure this one out. Okay, uh, sp- <laughs> sperm can only live for a short time after release in the vagina.
1: So I'm no science expert. Yeah, neither however. am I. Ever. Disclaimer. One thing, that, <laughs> one thing that I do know is that as long as the sperm is alive, fertilization is possible, mm. and the sperm and the the sperm can, you know, last and end fertilization can happen anywhere up to five days after conception yes
0: yep there it is F- five days y'all five days five day, five days after it's been released um yeah yeah okay um a final one for those of us with vaginas um specifically duchin is necessary to keep the vagina clean let's mm-hmm. just end this once and for all no it mm-hmm. ain't no it ain't
1: <laughs> I just, and it's funny because whenever I get this question now, I always have like this flashback of me in like high school buying, what's that called, Vagicil?
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Thinking that like that was the way. I don't know what I thought I was going to do. And then being like, why am I getting yeast infections every time I use this? Um, but yeah, douching actually, it messes with your vagina's natural pH balance. Mm. Um, and the thing about the vagina, because it's a self cleaning organ, is that it has healthy bacteria that's needed. To keep to be kept around in order to keep it clean so when you're throwing off your ph balance and putting things up there that don't need to be up there right. um it can cause some issues right so honestly it's one of those things where less is more mm. um again it's a self-cleaning organ so while you might use some gentle soap around your vulva so the outer area you know like the um, the part that you can easily see <laughs> for the easiest way to describe it without getting into scientific terms um you know the that outer part you might clean up but um for the inner part the actual vagina itself you don't need to be putting anything up there except for maybe some water just to keep it
0: to keep it fresh and clean i like that you specified you know please clean your vulva <laughs> but <laughs> let the vagina do what the vagina does <laughs> well I, and i think a lot of people don't and it's fair like not everybody understands the difference sometimes exactly so like,
1: i remember seeing like a tiktok debate and this girl was like you guys aren't cleaning your vaginas. That's nasty. I use soap on mine all the time. But I think she was talking about her vulva. Yes. Right. Yeah. So I was like, yes, of course you clean that outer area, but like you don't put soap
0: inside of yourself. (laughs) Right. Please don't do it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, all right. So before we go any further, I just want to offer, you know, just a quick disclaimer. I wanted to just at the beginning of the, towards the beginning of our conversation and just say, listen, um, I know that sex is something that's a taboo for some people. Some people are open to these conversations more so than others. But I feel like it's important to have these discussions because whether you are staying in, you are a celibate, you are waiting for marriage, you are busting it open for a real one, it, it is important because the more we're able to have these conversations, the more we can, you know, demystify and equip ourselves with education that will help us advocate for our own pleasure. And, you mm. know, it goes beyond what we hear in rap songs. or talking about, you know, writing it, this, that. <laughs> licking and sucking and all of that or what these podcasts are telling us who's eating whose ass and all that stuff like (laughs) that's all great but sometimes we also need to know how to advocate for ourselves so um yeah this is something that you do this is a big part of your work and I'm interested to know you know over the years that you've been doing this work are you real are you noticing any tides changing especially when it comes to women are you noticing that we are as you talk to women that we're able to speak up for ourselves more and advocate for our pleasure, our wants, our needs when it comes to sex. Like, what are you noticing?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, firstly, I love that you also mentioned um, the fact that whether you're abstaining, whether you're not sexually active or whether you are, this information is still important regardless because a lot of times I feel like I used to hear people say, you know, well, I haven't had sex yet, so I don't need to worry about this. But it also makes, like, it always makes me think, of the fact that sexual health is so much more broader than just sex. Like sex itself is like kind of one small part of what I actually talk about in my work. I'm not a sex therapist. I'm not a sexologist. I don't do, um, you know, relationship counseling. Like the sex part is actually more of a smaller part of what I really talk about in my work regularly. For me, it's more about the ability to advocate for yourself. Right. So all of the things that fall under sexual health, like, um, Understanding sexual racism, gender, sexuality, um, tackling things like ableism in, in, in sex and sexual health. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like all these different kinds of things, trying to make these topics more accessible for people, healthy relationships, body confidence. Like these are all things that come up as well in sexual health. Um, so reminding people that whether you're having sex or not, it doesn't mean that sexual health education isn't necessary for you. Mm. Um, and like you said, are you asked if I see things really changing? Um, in the years that I've been doing this work. And absolutely. Okay, um, that's good to especially, hear. Especially, Yeah, especially in the content creation work that I do. Like these TikTok kids are, they're out here, they're, they're posting stuff about their periods and about, you know, UTIs and about understanding the difference between vulvas and vaginas and talking about healthy boundaries and things that I did not have the language for even 10 years ago, even five years ago. Mm-hmm. And so it's really, really cool to see You know, of course, the Internet can be such a blessing and a curse. It can be, you know, a really heavy place, a really overwhelming place, a really scary place sometimes. But it also is such a hub of information, especially things like social media, um, where you see on TikTok, you see gynecologists, nurses, doctors, sex educators, sex therapists, like people from all different kinds of fields coming on and sharing their knowledge for free. Yeah. You know, um, which is something that I think a lot of us didn't have access to. Yeah. Facts. So, yeah, I, I'm definitely seeing a change, especially among young people. I always say I've had the best workshops with like high school students. They have the best questions. They're so open, non judgmental. Um, they just tend to be just willing to absorb information and they want to learn and they want to know how they can, you know, be the, Safest that they can be um, mm. in regards to their sexual health and how they can really, you know, make informed decisions. Yeah. And that's really exciting to see.
0: That's great. So the kids gonna be all right. That's great. <laughs>
1: the kids gonna be all right. The kids gonna be better than
0: we than we were. That's <sighs> Girl, for sure. That is, yeah, honestly. Um, <laughs> and um, you know, as part of this work that you do, consent—you've mentioned it earlier. Mm. Consent is a big, big, big part of sex and our sexual health, and so. Um, I want you to sort of give us some scenarios. I know people have probably heard a dictionary definition of what consent is, but I Mm. want you to give us some scenarios of what consent is not because, Mm. you know, yeah, I want to get into that because I think sometimes the lines can get a little bit blurred and it's easy to say, oh, you know, she, she said yes, or he said yes, they said yes. Right. But there are some blurred lines. So if you have, you know, one or two scenarios that you can tell us, that'd be great.
1: Absolutely. Um, hesitancy, Mm. that's a big one, right? That's not consent. So if you say, I always give the example, like if you ask someone out on a date and y'all were out on the street and you bump into someone and you're like, Hey, I think you're really attractive. Do you want to go on a date? And they're like, "Mm, maybe. And then you show up at their house at six (laughs) o'clock. That'd be weird. Right. And so same thing for sex, right? If you If, if that enthusiasm isn't there, if they're not as enthusiastic as you, if that yes hasn't been made clear in whatever way that looks like for you, because sometimes it's not always the word yes. Everybody has their different, you know, sexual relationships and safe words and things that they do, especially Mm -hmm. with partners and whatever. But, um, if that consent isn't clearly there, then it's a no. And another big one, especially as someone who does a lot of work around race and racism in the context of sexual health, um, Sexual racism is one Uh, fetishization, right? So if you are only sleeping with somebody because you want to, you know, kind of have that racial conquest, Hmm. and they don't know that, right? They don't know that. And I know we'll get into that a little bit more later, but that's not consensual. And it took me a long time to realize that because that was my first interaction with sex, right? At a young age, Mm. was with someone who was white, someone who I had feelings for. And then later heard him saying things like, oh, I gained my black belt. No way. Right. Right. And so for me, it took me a long time to realize and hearing more racist things that came from his mouth. And and it took some time for me to realize that's not consensual. Like, no wonder my sexual foundation is so messy because that's not consensual. Right. Right. Um, And so I think, again, we think of consent and we think of we always think of extreme aggression. But sometimes a lot of times it's the manipulation Mm. or leaving out things. Right saying, oh, I got tested and lying about it. Yeah. That's not consensual. And when you don't know your status and you say you do, that's not consensual. Mm -hmm. Right. So all of these different scenarios that are the scenarios that we often don't think about, we often think of the, you put something in their drink or they say no and you keep going. Right. Like most people I think can kind of identify that as non-consent, but I think there's a lot more common ones that people don't always recognize as non-consensual.
0: Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad you said that because you're right. We we think of it as like within these small confines, but it goes Mm -hmm. beyond like even the sexual racism example you gave, like that's not necessarily something that happens in the bedroom or at the time of sexual intercourse or whatever, but it goes beyond that it affects how you feel and your emotions during that act too. Mm -hmm. Right. So I, I think, um, something I'm starting to hear more and more of, I heard it actually when I was listening to another podcast is, um, condom negotiation. And so it's like a fancy mm. word for just the way in which I guess individuals negotiate if um, their male partner will use a condom. I think it should be extended to all partners in general, whether for any sure. partner is going to use a condom. But I think that's a big one too, because if you start getting into telling me that if you don't use a condom, oh, sorry, if you use a condom, you're not going to finish. It doesn't feel as great. Da, 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 right. da, and then you're trying to sort of, you know, that's, that's not consent. Ex- exactly. Yeah. You know, so. Exactly that's not consent either. So, um, so I guess what are some sort of tips, like you mentioned boundaries, what are some ways Mm -hmm. that we can sort of set and maintain our boundaries in relation to consent, negotiation, and just our overall safety when it comes to sex? Yeah,
1: I would say for me, one thing that I often think about is the fact that the hard part isn't always, at least I know for myself, mm-hmm. isn't necessarily setting boundaries. The hard part is following through with them. Right. Um and also ensuring that there are consequences for my boundaries being um not being respected. Right. That's a big one that I had to even recently really understand and say, you know, I can sit here and like journal about all the boundaries that I have. Um But then when it gets into the actual moment or when it comes to my romantic or my sexual life, am I enforcing those? And not only am I enforcing those, but when they're not respected, what's the consequence?
0: Mm,
1: Right? right. When they're not respected, am I still giving that person access to me? Because a lot of times, yes, yes, I have, you know, (laughs) a lot of the times I have. (laughs) So, you know, it's, it's great to talk about the importance of setting boundaries. But I think one thing that I've had to work on is really sitting with myself and thinking, what are the consequences of that? right Right? if if this boundary is not respected i'll give you one warning and if it's not respected again then you will not have access to me again Mm. or maybe there's no warning maybe it's just instantly you don't have access to me again right so all these different things that you know individuals might put in place to ensure that they're being respected and that their boundaries are being respected um and i think also normalize conversations around boundaries in the bedroom Like, I don't know why, and I think especially in regards to, like, hookup culture, people have this idea that these kinds of more intimate or deep conversations aren't necessary if it's just a one-night stand, you know? Right. But I'm like, it's almost more important then because I don't know you at all. Mm. If you're my partner, at least you have some context on who I am, maybe what I've been through. Right. If you're a person I just met, I don't know you. You don't know me. Right. Right? And I think especially as someone who does a lot of work um, in regards to sexual violence, I can tell you right now that there are triggers that come up for for survivors of sexual violence that they might not even know Mm -hmm. they had until that exact moment. Flashbacks, things that might come up. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I know it's not always going to be necessarily that severe of a situation, but um, that's just one example of, you know, if you're hooking up with somebody and maybe something comes up and they don't realize, Oh, I need to set a boundary for that because that makes me feel uncomfortable Mm -hmm. or that reminds me of this. Um, So again, people are so complex humans are so complex it's okay even if it's just the one night after the club hookup (laughs) to say hey what's the safe word yeah do you want to make a safe word what is it does this feel good do you like this are you into this are you not into this or if you want to keep it simple just say hey what are your non-negotiables what are things you are not willing to do what are things that you do not want to do tonight right um you know like when's the last time you've been tested have you been tested And that question, I think people think it's a trick question of like, you need to lie and say that you've been tested yesterday. (laughs) No, it's if if, if you say no, and I still choose to sleep with you, that's at least me making an informed decision. Right. Right. If you say, no, I haven't used, I haven't gotten tested. I can say, okay, well then I'm definitely going to make sure that we use a condom and you know, maybe I'm not comfortable giving you oral sex because Mm -hmm. I know you haven't been tested. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm not, doesn't mean that they're going to get up and be like, no, I'm not going to sleep with you. And maybe they will. And that's fine too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think really just normalizing these conversations, if you're mature enough and not mature enough, but if, if you're ready to be and wanting to be having these kinds of sexual interactions, then you need, that. it automatically needs to come with yeah. the ability to have these conversations.
0: exactly yeah Yeah. i agree i agree i'm sorry if you've grown enough to have sex you've grown enough to talk (laughs) about it (laughs) um no that's that's a really really good point those are some good tips i think the safe word our Mm -hmm. limits what you're okay with what you're not okay with especially for that time i might be okay with doing this tomorrow but i'm not ready to do it tonight right so yeah i think those are definitely definitely good tips um so I mentioned that I follow your content. So I'm going to make reference to a couple of your TikTok videos. Um, and so you posted a TikTok video and the caption was something along the lines of contrary to popular heteronormative belief, sex can look, sex can look like many things and penetration is not a requirement for your, uh, for your sex. Your sex is valid. Right. And when I read that, I said, whoo, she is saying all the things. <laughs> and it's funny. I sent it to a friend of mine. And I was like, do you agree with this? And she was like, she's like, you know what? Me today, I agree. Me, a couple years ago, I would have been like, girl, if he's not putting it in there, what's that? Da, 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 da. Right. Right? And <laughs> and I'm asking you because there are going to be some some people, some penis having people that are going to be like, if I'm not sticking in something, that's not sex. Right. So, <laughs> so sure. I want you to sort of just, you know, break that down for us and um and where that caption sort of came from for you.
1: Absolutely. Um. No, I I if you caught me a few years ago, I had probably said the same thing. Um, and so over the years, I've really, really noticed through personal experience as well as through um, my professional work that there's really such a heteronormative idea of what sex is supposed to look like. Mm. Um, and it often leaves queer sex out of the conversation right. um, completely. And we see it pushed a lot through the rhetoric around virginity, right? And it's been like, it's very clear that the idea of losing your virginity is really just a made up idea that like, you know, some people are innocent and pure and some people aren't, Mm -hmm. right? It goes back to religion, it goes back to purity culture, it goes back to heteronormativity. So when we really dissect it and look at those kinds of things, um, we see that to be true, especially when you consider the fact that, you know, when it comes to women loving women type sex, Mm -hmm. um, If if, if I were to say the first time I had sex with with a woman, somebody probably wouldn't describe that as me losing my virginity.
0: Right. You see what I'm saying? I see what you're saying. Yeah. You you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. the
1: concept that there needs to be not just a man involved, but a cis man. Yeah. There needs to be a penis involved. Yeah. In order, there needs to be penetration. There needs to be something broken. There needs to be a cherry pop. There Mm. needs to be something dominated Mm -hmm. in order for this to count. Yeah. Right. And so again, it completely erases All different kinds of people and the kind of sex that they're having because a lot of people are doing a lot more even straight people sometimes sex looks like masturbation sometimes it looks like um stimulation Mm -hmm. sometimes it looks like using toys and i can't even define exactly what sex is or what it's supposed to look like because it's different for everybody Mm -hmm. right so everybody you know a lot of times i'll get the question as a queer woman i'll often get the question what does sex with a woman look like? And I'll be like, it's been different every time. Yeah. It's been completely different things. It's been many things, mm-hmm. you know, and it's been different than sex that I've had with men. And, and, um, yeah, sometimes it looks like one thing, sometimes it looks like another. And, and that's okay. Exactly. And it's not always penetration.
0: Right. This is not even on my notes, but because you said that, I just, and I was watching, um, I'm not sure if you followed it, um, City Girls, the hip hop group, um, mm. Carisha Young Miami, and she interviewed Meg Thee Stallion, and they were talking yes. about, you know, girl, I'll fuck you, too. Who's on top? Me. Eh. <laughs> and <laughs> it just when you mentioned, you know, people have asked you, you know, what's what's um, sexual woman like? It's just can we get over the fascination with women on women sex and lesbian sex? Thank you. Right. I, I find that that's we're OK with that. But then once it's two men or it's mm-hmm. different whoa nah right. nah bro you're doing too much once it's on our show right. I, i'm i'm not watching it anymore we saw that with p Valley they mm-hmm. so it's like can we can we just please stop asking the yeah. girls what they're doing stop asking if they can be your like third just let please
1: right <laughs> and if, again it feeds into this idea that like queer women aren't real like our relationships aren't real right, you know like yeah. they're not valid like oh that's cute it's a phase but like yeah. are you really gonna marry a woman and like have kids with a woman and you know it's like it's like, it's this fun phase that every like girl in college kisses another girl or Mm -hmm. this idea that there's going to be, there needs to be a man involved in order for it to be valid, or it needs to look like it does in porn, which it rarely does. Mm -hmm. Um, And so again, it it really also invalidates the, the realness um, and the authenticity of queer relationships and, and recognizing that there's so much deeper than just sex. Yeah. Um, yeah. And again, it goes back to this idea that there needs to be like a cis man involved in order for our sex, our sexuality, and even just our existence to be
0: like yeah, legit. exactly. Know? And it's fourth male gaze still. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're going to shift a little bit. Um, you know, part of sex, how sexual health is, knowing how to take care of our bodies, knowing what works for us, what doesn't work for us. And so, again, referson your TikTok, you had made um, a TikTok video. But explaining, you know, um, how you set boundaries with your gynecologist when they were sort of, and I'm using this word because you used it, guilting you into getting back on birth control. Right. Mm-hmm. And I just want to offer this disclaimer. I'm not saying that people should use or not use birth control. Please use what works for you, what works for your right. body. You know, we're all different. But I, I think it's it's important to share and, you know, hear these stories. I also think that to because again, sex, sometimes is such a limited conversation, then it trickles to birth control. We only talk about birth control when it's in relation to sex and we forget the other things that it could do or not do for different people's bodies. Right. So I was Mm -hmm. just wondering what your experience with it was like and what made you want to get off of it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to clarify, too, that even in in that TikTok, I um, mentioned how I Wish I set boundaries with that gynecologist. Right. I, yes, I, yes, I yes. wish I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but yes, but absolutely that that guilt, I felt that guilt um, of getting back onto it. And um I often think about what I wish I would have said. Um, and so again, like you mentioned, people's experiences with birth control are all super different. Um, so based on my experience, I never encourage or discourage anyone to get on it, you know, just based on mm-hmm. what my experience with it is like or was like. Um but for me, it wasn't a great experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was actually a pretty poor experience. Um, I was in uh, a hetero relationship for about three years when I was um, kind of end of teenage years up to like early 20s. Um, and so I went on birth control, uh, I think around the time I was 18. And it had really huge impacts on my mood, um, felt a lot of depression, a lot of intense mood swings. Um, physical changes, just discomfort in my body. Um, And I was on it for, yeah, for three years. Um, And so when I got off of it, I started to feel like myself again. um, Maybe a year or so later, I went to for a a pap smear. And this gynecologist who was awful, but that's a story for another day, um, started making a lot of comments about, you know, why are you not on birth control? And you know i'm diabetic so she kept saying you can't afford to have an accidental pregnancy cuz it'll be high risk and da, da 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 um which is fine like these are valid points but just the way she went about it so so quickly to assume when that i was just out here having unprotected sex or that i was having sex with men mm. or s- i shouldn't say men but people with penises mm-hmm. um the fact that she was assuming that that's the kind of sex i was having um when at the time it wasn't um was was really frustrating. Um and I felt like I wasn't heard and I felt like my needs weren't weren't heard or met. And so she constantly kept saying, you know, just go back on it. And I told her, you know, I really didn't feel the greatest when I was on it. Yeah. And are there like, you know, like, I don't think it's the best option for me. Um, and she was kind of like, I don't care. Get on it. You know? Damn. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, and she like wrote me a prescription. I was like, I said I didn't want it, but I was like, you know what? By the end of the appointment, I was like, whatever. Let me just try this out again, you know, I tried a different kind as well, like a different brand. So Mm -hmm. I was like, maybe it'll be a bit of a better experience. And then I got my period for like a month and I bled for like a month straight. And I was like, this doesn't feel normal either. I know it happens sometimes for people for different reasons, but I was like, this has never happened to me even when I was on birth control before. So I was like, you know what, this doesn't feel worth it for me. And at the time I was like very much not even engaging in sex really with anybody, Mm -hmm. you know, for about a year. So I was just kind of like, I just don't feel the need to alter the way my body feels, knowing that this is something that doesn't yeah. work well for me. Um, all for the off chance that I might have sex with someone with a penis <laughs> at some point, you know? Yeah. Um, so it, it wasn't worth it for me, but of course, for a lot of people, it makes sense. Everybody has different um, experiences, and there's so many different kinds of birth control that you know. Sometimes you have to just find the one that works best for you. And maybe I would have a better experience if I tried if I tried another one, right? right. I, only, I only tried. T- I only tried two. Yeah, that's um, fair. That's fair. You know, so I guess I can't write it off completely, but getting off of it was the best decision for me at the time. And, and I, you know, I haven't gone back on it since, mm-hmm. um, you know, but yeah, I, I think more than anything for me, when it comes to that story, what I want people to take most from it is the importance of advocating for yourself. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you said, whether you choose to go on it or not, that's up to you. Mm-hmm. That's based on what makes sense for you and for your body and for the kinds of sex you're having, the kind of relationships you're in, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Um, and that's all fine. Whatever works for you, works for you. But it's important to know that again, you, the only person who's an expert on your experience and on your body is you. you. So I don't care how many Man. PhDs you have. I don't care if you're a doctor. I don't care what school you went to. No. I can tell you what my body felt when I was on that mm-hmm. and that it wasn't normal. Right. And so if a doctor is brushing those things off and telling you, oh, we'll just try it anyway, just go on it anyway. Rather than giving you alternative ideas, right? If I say, oh, I don't feel comfortable going back on birth control. Are there alternatives that you think would be a better option for me? Um, then maybe she could have brought in other options, right? right? right. Of, you know, these are some protective barrier methods you could use. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is an important, it's important to understand, you know, your cycle and when you're ovulating and when when you have the highest chance of getting pregnant versus when you're the lowest risk of getting pregnant, right? Right. Like, why are these not conversations that came up?
0: Right. You know, why was
1: there not a holistic approach to what I was looking to, to get? Um, yeah. And that was what was most frustrating for me. That was, that was what was hardest for me, even more so than being on birth control and having a, a poor experience with how it made me feel. Mm-hmm. It was, it was just how much my, my needs and my feelings were just kind of brushed to the side. Right. And I was just given a prescription and told, you know, just do this.
0: Yeah, and this so I had I had I'm going to echo what you said slightly. I had a similar uh, negative experience um with birth control. I was taking the pill ones. I can't remember the exact brand and name, but I was on the pill, so you know, you got to set your alarm, remember to take it every day same time, that kind of thing. But it made me bloat and I was actually taking mm. it for multiple reasons and it was also it was really helping with my um reduction of my period cramps. Um, the intensity of my period, like it was really, it was doing wonders in that regards, but then it just started to make me feel heavy, bloat, a little bit of weight gain. Like it was, so I was like, oh, I'm not really liking it. And I got off. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think it just reminds us that, yes, like you mentioned, we may know our bodies better than our doctors do. And I know that that's a weird boundary to think that you have to set, um, right. but it's important to set that. It's important to say, no, I know what I'm feeling. I know what I'm feeling. Cause I've had instances not related to you know periods of birth control but where i've had to be firm with my doctor and she's a black woman and i've had to tell her, nicole no girl like i'm feeling this pain <laughs> right <laughs> you know i'm needing this or no i don't want that so i think it's it's a boundary that we may not have thought would have to set but it's absolutely important because absolutely we need to advocate for for ourselves even with our healthcare professionals for sure yeah <laughs> for sure definitely oh yeah and we see we see it
1: every day yeah. how black women are, are kind of dismissed and pushed aside. Whether it be during pregnancy and childbirth, whether it be, Mm -hmm. you know, being misgendered for for a lot of, you know, trans women who go to, um, you know, receive healthcare, um, Like all of these different instances where black folks, especially black folks who are like femme identifying are just kind of told no you can handle it yeah right and it's like no i actually can't <laughs> i'm not a strong black woman no. I need to be <laughs> give me pain medication literally <laughs> they're like how's your pain from one to ten i'm like 11 literally and now i'm saying <laughs> tw- a two.
0: literally i'm like oh 12 it's so bad i don't think i can right. live here like oh my goodness i think i have to stay overnight <laughs> oh, oh man well thank you thank you for sharing thank you for being transparent with that experience that you had um I hope, you know, mm-hmm. listeners who are listening and who hear that story, you know, take away and are able to advocate for themselves. Like we said, you know, do what's best for your body, but just, yes. you know, just keep this in mind. Um, so we've mentioned this word a couple of times throughout our conversation. You've thrown it out. I've said it. Um, sexual racism. And before I was familiar with your, your content and your work, I hadn't really heard this term. So I would like for you to, you know, explain it. Um, what it means and how it affects women of color, especially black women. You had given your example earlier, but, um, you know, we can get more into that. hmm.
1: No, I, I love this question. Um, it's it's funny, not funny, haha, funny, yes. sad. <laughs> but <laughs> but sexual racism is something that so many of us have actually seen or dealt with, mm. even though we didn't necessarily have like the, the language for it or right. to call it that. Um, but essentially, it's when people of color are approached sexually or romantically. Or we're rejected sexually or romantically based on our race. So, for example, you know, some dating apps, you'll see people saying things like, no Asians, Mm. no black people, right? Um, And again, you can see this through sexual um, hypersexualization, fetishization, or essentially like any other instances of our desirability or our lack of desirability from other people being based on racial stereotypes. Um, and this also even goes back historically. I used to do a workshop. The first workshop I ever did when I was like maybe like, I don't know 2021 20, mm-hmm. um, and it was at Brock University and it was on um, stereotypes of black women based on like colonial history um, or based on colonization or something like that. Um, and one thing that I would often bring up is how sexual violence has been used as a war tool, as a colonial tactic, um, against people of color, especially women of color, um, for years and, yeah. and still is right. And, and stereotypes of black women, like things like Jezebel and, yeah. and, you know, Sapphire, all these kinds of different terms that we hear that kind of stereotype black women into different categories are even used to this day to justify violence against us, sexual violence, specifically in court, in, you know, media in different areas. So, Really understanding the historical context of this um, and how it seeps into present day, but sexual racism is something that um, that a lot of us unfortunately have experienced and you know do experience on a regular basis. I know that somebody, somebody out yeah. there listening, girl. has been on Tinder, yeah. oh. and got the oh, I've got hey, it, chocolate hey mama. chocolate girl, they got the hey chocolate, mama. hey chocolate girl. Yeah, you know you got it. I know you got it. I know it. <sighs> we all have. I remember I actually had a friend in university. He had dreads and he cut his dreads because he was so tired of white women touching his hair.
0: Oh, my goodness. And I remember him
1: having an experience on Tinder where, again, he got the, hey, hey, I've never been with chocolate before. Yeah. Like a message.
0: Right. And I actually, you know know what? I know that on my platform, I make I make intent to, to talk about, you know, women and our stories. But I want more men to speak up about that right? Because mm-hmm. I think that when you don't speak up yeah. about it, it makes it seem like you guys are just, but there's so yeah. much criticization of black men. Like y'all need to so talk much.
1: more. Like So much. <sighs> and I hear it all the time. I hear these stories all the time. Yeah, um, And they often, a lot of my friends, black guy friends, especially like the straight ones will often make jokes about it and be like, yeah, this happened, this happened. But I'm like, nah, we can talk about it. Like, that's that really sucks yeah like that's really not cool
0: because i feel like then it adds this added layer of like sexualized pressure to perform to be constantly right just ready to part of my french with slang dick like it's not like yes yes always (laughs) and then they come in and they're like uh (laughs) um i don't know
1: (laughs) i don't know what you're expecting but i am not i am not Fifty (laughs) cent. Like I am not. I am not every black man you've ever seen in the media. And it's true. It's it's that. And 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 they they see it. I think black men see it a lot and and feel it a lot, Mm -hmm. a lot more than they actually talk about. And I know that with with black women and femmes, same thing. Pressure to perform. I remember. I used to. I remember. I used to be so insecure growing up about the fact that I didn't have a fat ass.
0: Mm, I remember. I was so still today.
1: (laughs) <laughs> to this day, I'm still a little insecure about it, but I've learned to just work with it and appreciate what I do have. Yeah. <laughs> but it's one of those things where I used to think like, I know someone's going to expect me to come into the bedroom. Just, just a donk. Mm. You know, they just want me to walk in with a whole truck. And I'm walking in like kind of flat, just like,
0: <laughs> Hey, hey.
1: <laughs> Hi. you know, and I'm like, again, that's a stereotype of black women where it's like big, butt, big, mm-hmm. you know, the the perfect kind of like,
0: that hourglass Coke shape bottle, hourglass, yeah. yeah, that's the
1: hourglass figure. And I'm like, we're all built so differently. Yeah. You know, just because this is what you may have seen on TV or in a music video, it doesn't mean that's how we all are gonna show up. Mm-hmm. Um, and and trying to feel desired mm-hmm. when you don't fit into certain stereotypes of what blackness should be yeah. can be really tough.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's so true. Wow. Okay, thank you for sharing that. Um that was, I feel like we ended it on a little bit of like a heavy note, but it was really good to (laughs) dissect it. Cause I felt like when I was watching your content, I was like sexual racism and the example you gave, I was like, wow, we've all been through this, but we just didn't have the language to really say what it was. And that's a lot of us is like, we experience things. And now as we have these conversations, you know, we're in a a better place to say, yeah, like I I recognize that for what it is now. I have the language to speak to it. So thank you so much for, for this conversation. Um, Let's end off this portion of our conversation. You know, I just want to give you the space. If there's something you feel we didn't touch on, we didn't cover um, any tip you want to give with regards to sexual health, you know, you have the Florida mm. to, to do so. But this has been great. Like, thank you, girl.
1: <laughs> no, thank you. This has been so dope. And I appreciate you, you know, providing this space to have these kinds of really candid conversations. Um, I would say my my sexual health tips that I will leave folks with Um P after sex. Mm. If, you a vagi- if you have a vagina, pee after sex. I forgot
0: about that uh, one. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's really important to flush out that bacteria. Yes, yes, yes. Um, drink a lot of water. Mm-hmm. For everyone, drink a lot of water. Um, make sure you're checking your condom and dental dam expiry dates, mm-hmm. your lube expiry dates. Make sure you're checking all that. Um, prioritize your pleasure. Yeah. Practice ongoing consent. Um, if it helps you feel more comfortable, again, make a safe word. And... In the most simplest terms, have fun. <laughs> I think when I talk a lot about reclaiming my pleasure, especially as a black woman, I think that's one thing that, you know, was often kind of felt left out from my sexual experiences for a long time was just have fun, right? Like I always had, had this idea that it was for the other person, especially when I have sex with men, that it's like, yeah. it's for them. It's about them feeling good, that yeah. I forgot that I'm supposed to enjoy it too, mm-hmm. <laughs> right?
0: mm mm-hmm.
1: um, and so yeah, have fun. Try new things. You know, right. do things that make you feel good. Figure out what you like. Masturbate if if you're comfortable with that. Like,
0: have fun. Right. Just have fun. Just because you mentioned it, and it just came to mind. Before we switch gears, what does reclaiming your pleasure as a black woman? What does that look like to you?
1: For me, honestly, uh, <laughs> I was about to say. See, my mind runs in TikToks these days. Yeah. So I was about to say, for me,
0: I really like cons. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> but I would say how
1: it's looked has been really I know it probably sounds corny and a lot of people talk about it these days but healing my inner child yeah. has been a big one. You know, looking back at and that's a lot of the work that I do with my therapist, who I love um yeah, is looking at the root of where my sexual foundation started mm-hmm. you know when i started having sex early i told you as a young teenager right. and i had not great experiences mm-hmm. <laughs> and so um really looking back and and understanding what i act, what i deserved understanding you know that i'm not that kid anymore yeah. that i have you know i'm, I'm an adult with, with agency and autonomy and um a lot of self love and yeah,
0: absolutely um,
1: you know, I know what I like for the most part. And, you know, I, I, I think I've really just tried to, again, have fun. Yeah, I've tried to learn to, to have fun. I've talked about the negative experiences. I've talked about the good experiences. Um, and just really, yeah, just, just reclaiming that pleasure and that joy yeah. in sex. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's been a lot of what it looked like for me.
0: Absolutely. Okay. Thank you so much again for all the tips, all that you shared. Um, You know, before I let you go, we're going to switch gears a little bit. This is the Duado podcast. So we have a segment where, you know, we just want to get to know the, you know, lighthearted side of our guests a little bit. So I'm going to (laughs) ask you four fun questions. And without thinking too hard, I just want to hear an answer. All right. Okay. So the first question is, what's one place in the world that you want to visit? If you could travel there now, your your bags are packed and you're going. Where, Where are we heading? Amsterdam. Ooh, really? Why?
1: Girl, I don't know. I just have always wanted to go to <laughs> just always wanted to go to Amsterdam. I always wanted to live there. Mm, <laughs> I like okay. I'm not sure why. When I was younger, I'd be like it's cuz they have like you know, cafes with weed you know, yeah. and everything. Yeah, right, right, right. now That's... as an
0: adult, I don't yeah. really care about that, but uh, yeah, I just always feel like it'd be a cool spot. Yeah, okay. Like that. Um what TV show or t- what TV, sorry, what movie or TV series um currently has you hooked?
1: Ooh, what did I recently watch? Um, 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 I watched a movie yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Good Luck to You, Leo Grand. It's Ooh. on Netflix and it is so beautiful. It's about, I won't give like, yeah. Um, I won't spoil, yeah. but I'll just say kind of the gist of it. But it's um about this woman who is, um, like her husband's passed away. She's older. Um, and she's kind of at a place in her life where she was married for 30 years where she's just looking for like just good sex right. and enjoying life and so she hires a sex worker mm-hmm. and it just get it just goes through their interactions with each other and kind mm-hmm. of what they learn about each other and themselves and just really beautifully done wow it's just really okay. well done it's really yeah it's it's fun I'll definitely it's check that cool out. and it's sexy yeah. yeah i like that movie
0: um i mean not that you asked but i i don't know are you into game of thrones <laughs> house of dragon that just recently started and I wasn't I'm on not. the Game of Thrones train last time, but I'm trying to get on early so I can understand what's going on. Fair. <laughs> that's
1: fair. My sister loves Game of Thrones. Maybe one day I'll get into it. I'm just not a huge like fantasy. Right. The
0: fantasy and the historical person? drama type. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a lot. It's well, a I'll lot going it. on. Definitely lots of <laughs> sex, too. <laughs> yeah, <that's> fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, another one. I don't know if you sex, love and goop. Have you heard of that? Um with
1: with uh what's her ah, name? the
0: the Gwen Yes not Gwen
1: Gwen Paltrow? Gwendolyn Paltrow. Yes, Paltrow y- yes, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah something like that. <laughs> I watched I watched some of it once. I watched a couple episodes and I was like, ooh, this is fun. But then I was also laughing, like, what is this lady doing? Mm. But there but there was some cool that definitely there was some cool stuff in there. Yeah. Okay. I should finish it actually. Yeah.
0: <laughs> i should actually finish yeah, it, finish it and do, <laughs> give, give us a little TikTok on your and your uh, feedback on it
1: <laughs> i will i really will
0: um all right next question favorite drink this can be non-alcoholic or alcoholic what are you currently enjoying
1: chai lattes forever with oat milk and extra cinnamon
0: Ooh, okay a girl that knows what
1: she wants <laughs>
0: um okay and my final question what personality trait has gotten you in trouble the most stubbornness Mm, okay yeah (laughs) i am my father's child
1: and i am stubborn (laughs) but i don't even be realizing it until i'm like in a situation where i'm like i fully know that i'm in the wrong but i'm like no
0: (laughs) how you gonna tell me i'm wrong the sky is green (laughs) the sky what do you mean it's blue it's green Girl, that's What's the, that? the Aries in me. i would be ready to, to argue <laughs> you down. I'm like, no, but you see, this is my perspective. Yeah, right?
1: But see, I'm a Pisces, so i would be ready to argue. And then I cry when I'm mad. So, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so I'm like, this guy's green. It's green. Why does nobody love me? No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yo, that is hilarious. <laughs> but uh, but thank you so much, Lydia, for coming on the podcast again. Um, I appreciate thank you. you for having me. We're going to have multiple conversations like this. We're going to dive deeper next time you're on um you know might do an ig live like girl yeah we're, we're linked we're, we're gonna have more of these conversations because i thoroughly 100%. enjoyed this um, me too but before i let you go you know just share with the listeners your your handle your tiktok website if you got it and just how mm-hmm. people can you know connect with you
1: for sure no thank you again so much for having me this has been so fun um you can catch me on my website is www.lidiacollins.ca. And you can find me on TikTok and Instagram. It's just LA Collins underscore.
0: Perfect. All right. Thank you for being on the episode again. I appreciate you. (laughs) Thank you. right so with that we are at the end of this podcast episode i hope you enjoyed my conversation with lydia as we got into our sexual health and our self-advocacy yes even with our healthcare professionals as always keep the conversation going on our socials on instagram twitter and tiktok we're now on tiktok at bwdik podcast You know, make sure you're liking, commenting, subscribing on your podcast platforms, you know, drink your water, mind your business, create ease for yourself this fall. And I will talk to you in the next two weeks. Bye for now.